Every week, Spags, we say these Playmakers apps can't get more ridiculous, and I feel like this might truly be the most ridiculous one yet. It is possible it's the most ridiculous. It's also, in some ways, perhaps the biggest journey to where we are in modern day, but we are going to talk about all that. We're also going to talk about the Scott Fishbowl. We're going to catch up with some NFL headlines, and we are going to talk about the XFL. Sadly, Pete, we're not going to be able to hitch our gravy train to that one for one more year, but we'll talk about that right after the break. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And I am Chris Spag, joined once again by your friend and mine, Amanda's about to hit the road here. So we're doing it bright and early on the West Coast on a Friday. He's Peter Overset. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. We're getting a little bit of that uh, tropical storm here. So I'm looking out my window and it's dumping rain. And I just realized I need to go bring in the trash cans, which are soaking wet outside. But other than that, I'm doing great, Chris. Wait, so you're traveling to New York today and you're driving through like because that's all down the East Coast, right? Yeah. Although I was checking, it's supposed to be ease up. I think the like the warnings end around noon. So hopefully I'll be good. But yes, not not ideal to be taking my 2007 Toyota Corolla uh, down to New York in a storm. I didn't know you had a 2007 Toyota Corolla, but I do feel like that does now fit your unemployed life theme that you're putting out there. You know, I, I don't like to brag on this show a ton, but I know people like getting kind of a peek into lifestyles of the rich and the famous. Speaking of that, Pete, uh, I learned uh, overnight, I guess, this last couple of days, uh, some stuff going on here where I haven't been sleeping that well. And I thought it was just related to the things going on in our in our lives here. And in fact, turns out my HVAC unit has not been getting under 72 degrees this entire week, which I don't know if you have a perfect temperature, Pete. For me during the day, 70 to 75 is fine. At night, though, I feel like I like getting it closer to 62, 63, because that's the, Holy for me, the awful sleeping time. Is that too low? What I don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm with, I thought I was aggressive. Like I like being in the like 68, 67 for sleeping. I mean, 61, 60, like Lauren would just, she would throw me out of the house if I had it at that. Yeah, we are definitely, Alex is not a fan. My girlfriend is not a big fan of that one either, but like she's gotten accustomed to it. We, she sleeps with two blankets. We have like one big duvet as well that gets, <laughs> uh, it's shared. I guess we could say not, not that well. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I just can't sleep like, cause you, you, your body adjusts better to sleep when it's colder. That's the thing. Cause your body like goes into survival mode. So that's what I read. Like, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And since then it's actually worked pretty well for me, except when you then get accustomed to it. And then the temperature being 10 degrees higher makes your life feel like the Serengeti. Yeah, I, I've tried that before too. Honey, you need to freeze overnight because I listened to this Tim Ferriss podcast where he said it's good to sleep when it's really cold in the room. That is a difference between a man who has a wife and a man who has a girlfriend, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but got to set that bar low to start. But let's talk about some of the NFL headlines that are going on right now. And of course, if you are not following at uh, actually at splash play pod be the first thing make sure you're following that because we do follow everybody back on twitter and instagram so easy way for you to boost your follower count and to make sure that pete and i are seeing your tweets and stuff because we actually do go in i definitely go in and give some likes every time i log on instagram so make sure to go follow us at splash play pod also make sure you are subscribed to pete's channel and the splash play channel as well if you're trying to catch up with our our playmakers episodes or just you know see some of the stuff we did last year we i think we had some bits hard to stay evergreen in the fantasy football <laughs> industry but we had a lot of good guests that may be worth checking out so go dig through the channel have some fun before we start hitting full stride heading into the NFL season. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about this episode. And I think we got to talk first thing about Trevor Lawrence signing his deal, the number one pick, a $36.8 million deal, $24.1 million signing bonus, which is due within 15 days. I thought this was interesting on the ESPN article. They talk about the actual contract machinations and all that. And I got to say, Pete, like I, Trevor Lawrence, I think comes from a rich family, so it probably doesn't matter that much to him. But getting $24 million, knowing that you have that coming within 15 days, I, I could say I don't think either of us can relate, but that has to be the most amazing feeling in the world. Like, I don't even know what would be a close second. Yeah, and I believe, wasn't the story a while ago, he had a, a partnership with, I believe it was the crypto site Blockfolio, and he was going to be taking some of his salary in Bitcoin and some other cryptocurrencies as well. So yeah, he's uh, he has a lot of money to play around with and enough to put it in crypto, which just continues to plummet every day right now. He's actually being paid entirely in Fred Van Vliet Top Shot moments. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is an aggressive strategy. Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. Although with some of these guys, too, like Trevor Lawrence has been kind of the undisputed number one pick, like the QB prospect for a long time. I wonder if at this point there's not even like a surreal factor 
to it to where like since he was like a junior in high school he's like yeah i'm just gonna make millions playing quarterback someday in the nfl yeah i guess there could be a little bit of maybe an entitlement that comes with that but either way i, I feel like it's got to still be a nice moment for him and um and i i think with trevor lawrence i'm curious actually because i'm not in the best ball world right now i'm still thinking about if i'm going to go on a run here and maybe uh do just a bunch of drafts in august or whatever and try to turn that into a thing depends how my life goes over the next few weeks but how are how's trevor lawrence going right now because i yeah kind of get the sense he's a little undervalued in the market just based on what i see on social media and I guess I might be more of a believer in Urban Meyer immediately turning the Jags around into something, I guess, useful for fantasy. But are you feeling how are you feeling about Trevor Lawrence? Is he appropriately, I guess, where you feel like he should be or under market, over market? Where is he going? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because there is a disparity between just the chatter about him on social media and his ADP. In ADP, he's going a tick ahead of the other rookie QBs, Fields and Lance. Fields and Lance just seem to get all of the conversation when people are having, you know, debates about upside quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, Lawrence is interesting. I think it's just because there's never been any question about him for so long. It was just like, yeah, he's going to be the number one pick. Uh, and I think there's this also conception that he might not be as high upside as Fields in Lance. Um, you know, I think he's still going to run, but he's not going to be as prolific of a runner as those guys. And I think people in general, too, are just a little scared of the Jags. Like, it's like they can't get that stench out of there of like, this is going to be a bad team. But if he's a really good quarterback, and we think he is, and he has good weapons there, I don't see why he can't be in that upside conversation with those guys as well. Yeah, I think to me, the when we talked about Lawrence a while back with Josh Norris on the show, previewing some of the draft prospects, I thought numbers wise, looking through the PFF data for all the college rookies, like I saw nothing wrong with Trevor Lawrence. I just thought fantasy wise, there were guys who appealed a little bit more looking at, uh, you know, Justin Fields stats in particular, Zach Wilson stats, even I think stand it out a little bit more because just the systems they were in. But Lawrence going into a system where the coach is currently, you know, definitely going to put his imprint on it and going to be a guy who has gotten the most of his QBs in the past relative to you know, college football. I think Trevor Lawrence is in a really good spot. So um, if he's going at a high ADP, I don't mind going there as long as you're not taking him over other qualified quarterbacks. But in terms of the rookies right now and where they're going to be, I think, you know, Justin Fields, I could still make a case for Trey Lance with the reports that the Niners want to run 600 times this year. I feel like maybe knock him down a little bit. But uh, to me, Trevor Lawrence right there with everybody else. Mm -hmm. XFL bumped to 2023 after they were trying to get in with the CFL, which I guess the rock was a part of and the USL uh, USFL Pete. I don't know if you saw this. They're apparently coming back next year. And I'm just bringing this up because to be clear, and I, I hope you're on the same page with me, whatever football league comes out, that's not the NFL. We need to cover it really aggressively in our chance to maybe just carve a little sliver of that limelight out for ourselves. Well, it was, uh, you know, two years ago we had in February, the XFL hit and playing XFL DFS was just so much oh, fun watching those. Get it was like legitimate just so fun like I was reluctant at first because I was like oh I want to break you know whatever and then I got sucked in I'm like no this is the best uh and then this year I had top shot is what kind of consumed my time during the early off season and now it's like next year I'm gonna need that hit again that dopamine rush so yeah I don't care what football league it is as long as we're all obsessed with it and there's DFS like let's go yeah, I remember the XFL like so vividly where I was watching those games and trying to figure out because I was doing content for Osmo around it and there was no data out there really like I had them uh, pay for the established the run package. I was digging through AFL stat or whatever the uh, the other one was. Uh, yeah, was the AFL what was the one that was on CBS. I'm completely blanking on that. Um, uh, AAF. AFL. AAF. Oh, AAF, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had that run for them. And like, it was honestly a terrible experience trying to figure out what would happen. But then once I realized, oh, the Houston Roughnecks are an amazing team, just play them everywhere for the first few weeks. That was really a lot of fun. So I think there's opportunity with these new leagues. And and obviously for guys like us, too, like I, there were a lot of XFL news sites that popped up. And I'm sure we're really disappointed with the following they built to immediately have to go away. Uh, but whatever league is out there, I'm going to do my best to cover it no matter where we are. And I think uh, that's something to keep in mind. Nikhil Harry trying to get traded from the Patriots last year. 3.9 targets per game, 23 routes per game, uh, route per target or target per route, rather, excuse me, 17.3%. I feel like Pete, you look at Nikhil Harry's numbers, nothing stands out, but I feel like him asking to be traded feels noteworthy because the Pats fans were so, and you know, being in the New England area, Pats fans really loved this guy or thought that he was going to be something for a while. And now he's probably at best a wide receiver four, wide receiver five on their depth chart. And I don't know this move matters, but I feel like we kind of have to mention it. So if you have any thoughts, feel free to add them. And if not, just tell me to go fuck myself. Yeah, no, I uh, I was a Nikhil Harry truther. I, I took him like 103 in a in a dynasty draft. Uh, it was the year before I took AJ Brown there aggressively. Or no, sorry, that was the same year. I was I was dr drafting both of those guys early. And uh, to give you the state on where things are at now, I legitimately cut 
this is be even before this rumor or that that he wanted the trade. I cut him in a 30 man dynasty league. Uh, <laughs> this is a former first round pick that's entering his third year. And I was just like, it's it's done. Uh, I even asked Pat, I was like, am I allowed to cut Nikhil here? And he's like, yeah, I think you can. <laughs> yeah, I think part of his value last year was he was still getting some end zone targets. But now with Aguilar being back in, that's kind of been his main value add in Philly and, and uh, for the Raiders last year. So I, I feel like that's going to be a tough spot, even if he is in there or if he does stay on the roster. But we'll see what happens to them. Uh, it's still a young guy, a young guy who's been maybe oppressed by the system and a team that didn't throw a lot his first few years. So, you know, maybe one of those guys to watch out for if he lands somewhere where there is kind of an opportunity tree for him to get there. But uh, yeah, I agree with you right now. I think he's probably not a guy you want to hold on to. And the last thing here that I want to make sure we hit on, because uh, for somebody like me, I was talking about it with Pete before the show. I see the Scott Fishbowl stuff on social media I have for the last few years. And I and to me, like, you know, I'm not somebody who keeps up with things that much and is paying that close of attention to it. But I think it's one of those things, too, where I knew to not lash out at it because I like I think there have been some people on social media being, you know, contrarian with uh, what's going on with it. And, um, and just, you know, all the hype that you hear about it, where if you're not participating, it can't seem like a lot in your timelines. But legitimately good cause. Scott Fish was one the I think the FSGA um, is the one that gave him an award for humanitarian in 2019 and like has raised a ton of money for charity. So it's one of those good things, Pete, that um, you might be annoyed with if you're a person out there. But I think sometimes people need to remember or just be aware of like, hey, don't do any troll takes on Twitter around this one because it's legitimately like a nice thing for the community. Yeah, real quick. Do I look? I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I look great, but I don't, I don't, I'm not hung over. I, I, I've had enough caught. Do I actually look wrecked right now? So is it this little hair? I think it's the hair up? thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it a little bit, but I, I know you just, you just like some days your hair just goes like wild, man. You're, that's who you are. Wow. Um. Okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> this is, uh. you know, it's it's one of those things that to me that I when doing a lot of the Osmo streams, especially because you get a lot of passerby traffic there. Or people don't know you that well as they do. Uh, hopefully you guys know Pete on his YouTube channel. But um, yeah, like people love commenting on other men's appearances. And that's always something yeah. that's thrown me for a loop. Like I get it. I get, you know, we're, we're doing a show and you guys are watching us. So that's just human nature. I, but I can't believe I'm giving off this vibes. I mean, I, I do. I can't even use our earlier start time as an excuse because I do 10 a.m. shows on monday um i can't believe this is the vibe i'm carrying right now um, try to bring up the energy here wipe the uh the crow's legs out from here whatever um well did you Scott see what Fishbowl. he said he said you're greasy <laughs> look at these people you guys are i everyone the new rule too is i've said this before someone on a show spags i did a show on a uh, club top shot on tuesday and i was wearing a tank top and someone said i needed to work on my traps <laughs> That's so hard. the new rule is you're allowed to comment on my physical looks, but you have to send me a selfie of you on Twitter or you can send it a video because then I get to comment on how you look. Or it has to come with like a workout regimen and be like, how can I fix these traps? Yeah, then is it exactly. eight sets? Is it, I don't know. Um, what was I going to say? Scott Fishbowl. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's fun. I think what I it is really fun that he has just some crazy funky scoring and you can build like really good teams. Like I'm doing the underdog drafts and like all the good wide receivers are gone by round seven in Scott Fishbowl. You're able to get these guys in rounds 10 and 11 because he's balanced the scoring across all positions. So you're really getting um, some fun teams depending on how you want to build. And uh, yes, I do sympathize with the people who aren't in it and uh, are getting screenshot overload, but there also is nothing worse that this genre of Twitter where someone goes, shows the screenshot of what they're muting on Twitter is just like the saddest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's like, I want to be a part of this so much that this is how I'm going to be involved showing you a screenshot of my mute list. So please don't ever be that guy. Is there, is it still going on? Like are the drafting things still going or is that all done? Uh, no. Yeah, it's still going. I think okay. some drafts finished, uh, just because they went super fast. Uh, gotcha. but like my draft is a little less than halfway through. So is there any tips or advice? I feel like we have to offer that up just because I, I did put it in the title and I feel like I don't want <laughs> to deprive the people who are searching for Scott Fishbowl SEO. So is there anything, I guess, any advice you would give? Because you've done it a few years, right? Yeah. I mean, the one thing I've been talking uh, with Davis and Pat about our drafts, and I think what's happened is Scott the scoring system lowers the value of wide receivers a little bit. It certainly does, but people have like overreacted to that too much. Like I'm, you're just getting guy. I think I took T Higgins in the eighth round, like just a way too much of an overreaction to the settings that I do really think wide receivers are really, really good values uh, right now. And I have yet to take a running back through uh, eight rounds, I believe. 
There you go. I enjoyed that clip that you had with I think it, I think it was you, Pat, and Davis again talking about um your draft strategy. Oh, yeah. I do feel like that was a very viable t-shirt spit out there. So I'm 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 glad you're getting in the mix out there. It's always fun to see. I I, I feel like a little bit like Phil the Cuckboy and Playmakers. I'm watching you have friend, fun with your other friends, and I'm like, oh well, that's it's a good bit. I wish we'd come up with that on Splash Play. <laughs> we have we have lots of good bits here about like how greasy and tired I look. <laughs> And Dobby does say you only work out your lower body in the YouTube chat. So I guess that that would be a real lunch pail guy kind of move. That's a real uh, Thad Gerwitz kind of move. <laughs> right. Yeah, because normally the criticism of the, you know, aesthetics chaser is that they're only working upper body and they always skip leg day. So I do. I, I like to think that I have kind of a holistic approach to my workout plan, Dobby. So I, I'm glad that uh, you appreciate my lower body. You're a fitness contrarian, I think, is what, <laughs> is what that would be. Uh, we appreciate all you guys for being here, though, especially the live chat. Always good to see you guys out here. So thanks for joining a part and uh, and I'll make sure you're hitting the like button. Of course, if you're watching on Peach channel, if you're watching on our channel on the splash play channel, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe to both out there. And of course, if you're trying to catch up with our playmakers recaps, do that over the splash play channel. There's a playlist on there. So you can dig through, watch all of them along with us because it has been quite the journey. And I guess, Pete, are you emotionally ready to get into episode nine? Because I have to say uh, we're doing the show a little bit earlier today. I actually, we had a guy tweet us, our guy, yes, man, who always uh, replies to the, the post and then gives us some feedback on YouTube and on Twitter. He had tweeted earlier in the week at the handle being like this episode something else and i was like oh pete and i usually don't watch till later in the week and we're at the point of playmakers where i do not remember these last few episodes and holy shit this is a lot to watch at six in the morning <laughs> yeah it was i was laughing because it was a couple episodes ago that will banks had the line of like what do i just have a team full of criminals and then this week it was like what do i just have a team full of gay guys and like it's just like every every week it's just some new kind of scary specter issue is just consuming the entire team it's like they're all criminals at once or they're all gay at once yeah i mean look honestly that's empowering a bunch of gay criminals i think that's the kind of team that i could support uh just for the sake of diversity out there but it is episode nine it's called the outing and the show opens with leon who's always the moral compass saying i don't have a problem with homosexuals but if you're gay and you play football you should keep it to yourself and i feel like pete you see that as the intro and you know you got to strap in for an episode here where if leon is given that as the quote like there was no lead up it's just like especially on the uh the von allen sports stream that we've been watching for our episodes here that's always linked in the description um I was just like opening the episode with that. I was like, wow, boy, they're not giving us any breathing room at all. Why do I have a feeling that phonics is going to be really upset with where the direction of the show <laughs> is headed right now? <laughs> My fave last two round picks in the DK. I like, let's do it off the top of our head, Pete. Who would it be? <laughs> yeah. So I am a company man in that I have not done a single DraftKings best ball draft yet. I do plan to do some over there. Um, I would say what I'm hearing is that the, the wide receivers are a little easier to get over there than they are on underdog uh honestly like I, I know this is probably not the answer you love but with those last picks and flyer wide receivers i'm just trying to complete stacks um mm -hmm. uh, you know so if i take a guy like justin herbert i might take a flyer on a josh palmer if i somehow end up with Jameis winston maybe i'm taking you know marquez callaway it's just get that correlation in there with your quarterbacks because you've already made a bet on that offense i don't know if i have any like in a vacuum flyers off the top of my head Who's it? Is it uh, Tyree? Jo and to be clear, I'm not fully in best ball mode. I'm not doing the full drafting. Tyron Johnson. I feel like yeah. Tyron Johnson from the Chargers is the kind of guy that I would take a flyer on. <laughs> so I'm with your your thought process there where I don't know what his ADP is right now because I'm not doing this stuff again. Like for me, my personal belief is that best ball is better served doing it closer to the season starting where you have more information. I know people feel that there's more of an edge doing it now. And it's just fun to fill your summer doing it. But I think based on the results I had last year, I feel like doing it closer to the, uh, the start of the year is going to be the move. But I think a Tyron Johnson type like those guys who are deep ball guys who showed some limited sample size stuff and maybe there's a pathway for them to get more routes this year uh whether it be a new offense or just a guy leaving i think would be interesting um falcons receivers kind of the same thing for me uh, I, I don't know like that's sort of where i'd be looking is where is there an opening where is there a, uh, somebody who's been vacated and then where's so, there's some opportunity to go around for a guy just improving and filling that role so uh, I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him one more a guy i like a lot i've been taking a lot of travis fulgham uh late in underdog drafts he was really good for a stretch last year we still don't know how good Devonta Smith is going to be in the NFL. Rager was, um, had a very disappointing year. Fulgham was like the one reliable receiver for them. I think Hertz takes a leap this year and you can get him, um, in any draft on underdog. So I like Fulgham as a flyer. If you believe the Eagles could be a little bit better this year. 
Yeah, I think too, he was kind of the victim of the coaches deciding to not go his way a little bit more, <clears throat> excuse me, down the home stretch. And I think a new coaching staff, you know, kind of the same thing again there where Fulgham was good, showed that he can produce. And if he gets the opportunity and they decide to play him ahead of a guy like um, Ortega Whiteside or uh, who else is, I feel like who else is the wide receiver three, four for them potentially. But any of those shitty guys, if he steals some snaps, I think that does make sense to me, even though I, I think actually I'm more on board with Jalen Rager this year, I think, than, yeah. uh, you, than anybody would be uh, based on what he did last year. So I'm with we'll you talk more about it. Um, all right, back to uh, back to the playmakers here. See, we, we care about the people. We have to deviate from our plan to answer the last two rounds of DK best ball questions. But we were talking about the homosexuals here in the opening of with Leon doing that part. They transitioned to Gerwitz to this half. Real quick, yeah, real quick. His cold open there was literally, I don't have anything against gay people, dot, 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 except I do. <laughs> that was Leon's quote to open the episode. I was like, all right, buckle up. I know where this is headed. He does have a track record, though, of not wanting personal things aired out. So I guess that could apply. Then he's like, look, we should just never talk about anything that happens off the field. Doesn't lead any good for anybody as as yeah. a player rep, as we learned here, the union rep that he has to represent that part. Uh, but we get Gerwitz then after this intro, his half naked fiance is trying to get in the bone. But he says he has a meeting with an agent. She is clearly feeling sexually left out. And I don't know if you noticed this, Pete, but. I deem there to be a fully unused bottle of lube by the bedside as a character choice. <laughs> it sounds like you gave this a much uh, closer watch than I did. I missed Chekhov's bottle of lube there. <laughs> Look, as a man who's seen a bottle of lube once or twice in my life, I, I can identify them pretty well, but I, I felt like it fit the theme and I thought they were trying to paint a picture here of like, oh, like here's this frustrated woman here who's not getting what she wants. But uh, we do learn immediately that Gerwitz is not going to be uh, with his, uh, his agent, but we get more quotes from the rest of the football team here including the PED lineman guy who I feel like we know his name, but he's only occasionally referred to as guard dog. In this episode, he gets referred to that more saying there's no way a gay guy comes through in a tough situation on a field. He'd break a nail or something. And <laughs> this guy doing his homophobic deaf comedy jam for the media, I feel like uh, certainly gave him more character than we had in the other episodes. Yeah. I mean, some of these quotes from these guys uh, were absurd, but I, DH did have the line of the episode in this montage where he said, it just leaves more ladies for the rest of us. <laughs> which is like such a oddly progressive, but DH take, you know, like of all the homophobic stuff, like, uh, I just that line absolutely killed me. Well, to be clear, I want to give DH full credit here because he says, if a guy prefers a man sandwich, that's fine by me. And then he says, leaves more ladies for the rest of us. I did write all the quotes here because they were really a way to open an episode. Big Sexy, a.k.a. Buffalo, I guess is his real his name on the show. We're going to keep calling him Big Sexy, even though he was not very sexy this episode, saying sodomites got no place on the football team, quoting the Bible. We then get old chick who has been uh, still being the cool one, points out that Buffalo is being a fool and says that he is without sin, cast the first stone another bible quote and mcconnell says that a lineman weighing around 350 pounds is unnatural as this player's popping anti-inflammatories and pain pills mcconnell i feel like made sense and had a chance here to be a good guy in a way that he has not been in any, in any other episode and i feel like uh, that's gonna be the case for a lot of these guys besides old check uh but they all were really pieces of shit in this intro <laughs> Did, don't you think that this was actually like weird in that uh, McConnell was the one who entered the locker room earlier in the season with just like a blatant homophobic slur. And then here he's the one again, being the like progressive voice of being like, I'll tell you actually unnatural things. This isn't unnatural. It, it seemed like a very weird about face because normally is it McConnell just getting in with the jokes here? Maybe he's a little more media savvy because of the PR component. He's the QB. So like he knows he has to say that to the media, but his own private thoughts, because he was like he was teeing up the balls for Gerwitz to get hurt. So maybe he is like privately a bit homophobic, but then publicly he's like, oh, I have to be the, the liberal guy. Yeah, which another thing was just absurd with <laughs> the, the hospital balls in practice when they're not even wearing shin pads and stuff was hilarious. Yeah. I, I that scene, I mean, we that's really, I think, of one of, I would say, one of my favorite scenes. I don't know. It's terrible and also like a really good one that comes on later on with McConnell. But yeah, overall, McConnell, I guess, seems like a good guy in this situation. Gerwitz tells uh, his ex-boyfriend after banging, I guess they somehow reconnected here. And, I, you know, that's access for you. But um, he tells the ex that it'd be different after football. And there's apparently a report in a top gay magazine that there's a player on the Cougars who would greatly improve if they came out of the closet. And we get Gerwitz's quote that he does not agree that it would be good for that person, whoever it may be mysteriously that is coming out of the closet. And I guess, did you buy Pete that the ex would be banging Gerwitz? I feel like the ex is clearly an unstable guy as we see momentarily in this episode, but I kind of think that he wouldn't put out right away. If I, if I had to choose, I feel like he would have made Gerwitz earn a little bit more than just showing up and banging him at uh, a, a time that'd be appropriate for an agent meeting, apparently. 
Yeah, I mean, this guy might be the most kind of like volatile human being I've ever seen. Like the way, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens later in the episode. He's barged into the club. I mean, it's just awful decision making on Gerwich. Like sexual preferences completely aside. Like you cannot date a person like this, specifically when you're trying to keep things on the down low. I mean, this guy has already proven to just be wildly volatile and unhinged. I, I mean, he should have pulled the ripcord on that. If he was care cared about coming out or getting outed, you should have dumped this guy a long, long time ago. Tom asked a question in the YouTube chat, which I think is a good point. Has Big Sexy been quoting the Bible all season and yeah. I missed it? I don't think he has. Like, I don't think, and I do feel like with DH, he might've like had a, a something biblical to say at some point. And I do feel like it was one of those things where it's believable because it's football players. And we do know sometimes like Tim Hardaway, I feel like is one of the more famous ones historically where just out of nowhere came up with some like, oh, biblical reasons and not like gay people or whatever. And he supposedly has recanted that and learned and whatever and all that stuff. But I feel like it's believable enough for me, but it does feel like a religious guy probably like we knew Gerwitz is religious because he mentioned it throughout the show. Like, but like a uh, big sexy slash Buffalo never once said anything. Well, while, while DH is doing lines off of assholes. To me, it just seemed like a nice like writer's crutch. If like, okay, this is the gay episode. And what are all the reasons people are typically uncomfortable with gay people? One, the, the machismo, this is football, blah, blah, blah. And then what's the other go-to reason for, you know, biblical, spiritual, religious reasons because uh for some reason they think it it's said in the bible that god doesn't like gay people yeah i think that makes sense and i guess maybe it's to show that even like a nice guy because we do i think we're supposed to believe but i guess besides his uh training table assault or the locker room assault that he had in the first episode that big sexy's a good guy because he's been a good friend and whatever and been a ride or die so maybe that's the point too it could also just be playmakers being lazy so i think that's the there's a lot of options here in playmakers as always um it turns out the team thinks that mcconnell's the gay one there's a cutout of him dressed in s and m attire and uh i feel like the first thing we have to point out whoever did that really went above and beyond in a way that this team doesn't seem the most competent, but they had a pretty realistic Photoshop there built to a life-size cutout. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Real quick, I have a question too. That I what it, what is the timeline on how long Gerwitz has been dating that girl? Do like it seems like by show stuff, it's like four weeks, or is is that is it longer? I think because we only met him like four episodes ago, so I, I feel like and they go each week as a game. Yeah. So yeah, it has to just be like a month, maybe a month and a half tops. Okay, yeah, because I was just trying to process like uh, the engagement scene and like literally four weeks later at the jewelry store going through the five C's uh, after only dating for a month. And again, set aside everything else like that is absolutely crazy. But I guess it's just all for PR. He was just trying to get that uh, squared away. But I would just feel like the bros would be like, uh, you, you sure you love this woman? Only four weeks? Maybe give it just a little bit more time. I think maybe because it's like athlete and she's like a I, not a celebrity, but she's a model. So maybe it's like that sort of celebrity logic where you can get engaged and married fast. And it's just like, oh, you know, that's just them being eccentric types. I don't know. I, I feel like I agree. It's a little fast and somebody maybe would, would want to step in here. But um, look, when you get a chance at a Haley's Whisper model, you got to take it. We all know that. <laughs> um, we got also uh, Will Banks. Well, actually, no, McConnell. Here's an important part. McConnell has 350,000 all-star votes. So he wants the word spread that he's gay so he can get in. Uh, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of things to unpack there. But the fact that McConnell got 350,000 all-star votes, apparently that's like a good amount. It was more than DH we learned in a few segments here. I, I don't know what could have possibly happened other than him being like a borderline influencer, superstar type. And maybe that's why he's so good with the press because uh, he clearly is not his football player that's getting him those votes. Yeah, we might as well just like skip a little bit and talk about this Pro Bowl stuff. I mean, we've joked about how the whole season, like we can never even pick a player with more fantasy upside than DH. The only guy who supplanted him was the uh, the quarterback from uh, last episode who had all the rushing upside. I mean, DH touches the ball 40 times. They already said at the beginning of this episode that they were going to attack the weakness of the secondary with a lot of downfield throws to DH. Uh, and then they're trying to tell us McConnell, who gets sacked or throws an interception every other pass, or Gerwich, who catches two screen passes a game, are going to go to the Pro Bowl. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it, Playmakers. I agree. It was not set up the best here. But yeah, DH apparently has 300,000 votes. Big Sexy has 700 votes, which Big Sexy is upset about. Maybe that's why his homophobia is showing. But uh, to get 700 votes, I'd honestly rather have zero votes, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like, 
that's like his mom going down to one of those voting kiosks and just repeatedly putting in ballots. So like that, that's how many uh, votes that is. And Tom's saying it's clearly an air raid offense. We just never see it. I guess that's possible. They just are only showing us the most boring plays over and over again, though. In practice, you know, Gerwitz was airing it out or was getting it aired out to him. So maybe there's more upside to the offense than we realize. But either way, it's uh, the Pro Bowl stuff is really or the all star. They could not get the rights to Pro Bowl here is definitely in a weird plot line that I guess does fit in well by the end of it all. Uh, back to the uh, the rest of the stuff. McConnell was, uh, again, rumored to be gay. So Will Banks wants to talk to him, ask. And again, this is these are quotes here. So I'm, please, like, don't just take these things out of context and assume that they are my beliefs. He's saying, are you a fairy? You don't seem like one, but you can't tell these days. Will Banks also says some franchises are okay with it. Our fan base won't support it, especially at your position. I feel like this is one thing, Pete, where we didn't, I don't know if we've ever had the location confirmed or if it's, you know, sort of been implied a little bit more often than not that it's Florida. But if ever there were a time to think this is a Florida team, I think that that quote from Will Banks about them not supporting a gay QB as, as is probably the most Florida thing. And it is like we've been saying all along that uh, Will Banks is this pragmatist, right? Like everything is just the ends justify the means, whatever it is to win, cover this shit up. But we finally found what actually supplanted winning to him, to the fact that they were willing to bench their their best wide receiver because of optics because of worried about what the fans would think uh which i think uh stoops will banks to a new low because i was like at least if you have this machiavellian thing you just want to win at all costs like that at least checks out consistently but now you're just a shitty person yeah, I think that's actually a good way to look at it, that uh, when he's all about winning, at least there is sort of that that ethos that we admire about football. It's somewhere in there. But yeah, when you're just all about the business, all about the money, and then I guess not willing to win for whatever misguided approach here. Definitely a tough a tough episode for Woolbanks, who's really never been likable in any episode. No. Um, he does force McConnell into giving a press conference. McConnell's horrified at the idea of having a press conference. Around this time, Gerwitz also gets the genius idea from the PED lineman. Um, I guess at this point, is not suspecting him as the gay guy. That they don't bust guys guys who have a wife and kids. So Gerwitz does in fact go to buy that ring that we talked about, which has a 14 day return policy. And I thought Pete, this is going to be a dramatic angle. They would use like, Oh, is he going to do it or not? And instead it's just the next scene of him being like, Hey babe, you want to marry? And then her being like, I'm going to make you so happy. And I just, I didn't, I didn't buy any of that imagine your your fiance being uh, or you know your girlfriend being in earshot of you at the jewelry store and you're clarifying what the return policy is <laughs> <laughs> i'm just imagining if that would have got gone down how that would have gone over he did say like if she doesn't like it he didn't say like in case i decide i want to go gay full-time so <laughs> but isn't she there with him isn't she helping no, him he out? went on he went on his own i think after like after the agent situation and he got uh, okay i'm point that. yeah all right yeah yeah, so no, she, you know, she was genuinely delighted, I guess, to get whatever shitty ring with a 14. <laughs> I don't feel like any good ring has a 14-day return policy. No, I, I, I can't imagine that either. I did. It was it was a nice throwback to uh, learning about the five Cs uh, when I went to pick out an engagement ring. Clarity, uh, cut, cut. consistency, cost, and uh, carrot. Oh, okay. There. Yeah. You, wow. Look at this. Like, oh, it's our carrot. I was like, isn't carrot a K? But no, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, like good, good to know, I guess, for any future things this might have to take on. Uh, speaking of learning things, Leon explains how salary caps work uh, to Olshik because he's concerned that he's going to get cut if somebody else on the team gets paid. It turns out that Olshik has been secretly working on a deal with Woolbanks that is almost done. This ends up being a plot point, Pete, but um, I feel like Olshik. I, I don't know, like him getting a deal done, I, given the fact that they were basically treating him like a replacement level player last game, seems like a bit of a surprise that's the whole thing about all of these players and like how they're valued. It's like Leon gets like four touches this whole season, but they wouldn't trade him for a first round pick. Like, uh, you know, Olshik is getting like burned in the parking lot. Another funny thing about Olshik too, he got burned by Leon in practice. Yeah. One of those, those passes. It's like, who can Olshik guard? You're telling me he can't, he can't keep up with a, an old dusty running back in practice. And he was going to be tasked with spying one-on-one -on -one coverage of the Michael Vick in the last episode. Like that there's no consistency, consistency to these players' skill levels. Yeah, I think that with Olshik too, like I think that also makes the thing from last game with them playing that again. If you missed last episode, there was a parking lot pickup game against this Mike Vick uh doppelganger in the show uh after the at the strip club, I guess, with these guys in dress clothes. So Olshik is negotiating for the biggest contract in his life, and he was also doing that at the same time. Like that was a foolish move at the time frame, but now knowing too that he was up for this deal and he was aware of it his agent was talking like this the, it really makes the move in hindsight even stupider if he had torn his acl there he's not getting that four million dollars pete i'll tell you what 
<laughs> yeah, uh, he is not. And uh, we were, you guys were talking about in the Discord too about Olshik's uh, real age versus how uh, old he's portrayed to be in here. Yeah, so that's something that we get later on in the show, but we could just skip to this part. So um, we do learn that Olchik gets the deal here. Woolbanks wanted to t uh, have the coach tell him, I guess, instead of telling himself, which doesn't seem like a Woolbanks move. I feel like Woolbanks would definitely want to congratulate Olchik himself and be like, I've paid you $4 million. I'm very pleased. Do a great job for me. Make sure there's no homosexuals around and such. Uh, but instead, he uh, does have coach do it for him. And then, yeah, we learned that Olchik is apparently 26. I initial thought, and this is the thought of somebody else in chat, I think it was Tommy in, uh, in Pete's Discord, Say no, like no fucking way. This guy was 26. The actor was 31. So here's the question I have, Pete. Is it easier for like a 21 year old to play a 16 year old than it is for a 31 year old to play a 26 year old? Because I, those happen all the time. Like you watching the horror movies on Netflix. Yeah. Those are all like 24 year old people playing high school kids. But this guy being fucking 26, I was like, I, there's no world where this guy's 26. Yeah, I would have never, ever guessed it. I think it's like the triple threat of uh, a dude who's in good shape. Uh, who's bald and also has a goatee like those three things together you're just never going to peg them at that age I, i'm i'm legitimately shocked i i would have i would have guessed 35 for the actor uh when when he shot that i would have been so far off yes yeah, like, I, I I actually like 20 younger, you <laughs> but i'm at, like i was i am right now uh you said he was 26 he, so he the they were playing him as 26 the actor was 31 okay the actor was 31 so i i am two years or three years older than olshik was when he <laughs> shot that which is just like come on yeah i mean i'm i'm five years older than olshik and i feel like we both represent younger and that's yeah. certainly uh for people out there i know on youtube that could be a curveball but yeah like I, I, some people just look older and I guess too, you know, we are not hulking men. Maybe there's something with, you know, just having to keep though. Honestly, I feel like that actor probably is like a legit small guy in real life. Like he's probably like five, four and just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just the Tom Cruise optics thing. Um, I actually, one, one thing I'm doing to try to actually look older now is, is kind of look a little greasier in the morning. So <laughs> I, I hope that did work. Well, that was actually when I was at Barstool, like I actually grew this, this, uh, we'll call it a beard, but it's, you know, like scruff basically. Cause I always looked younger and everybody's like, Oh, like you must be like 24, 25. And I'm like, no, like I'm like almost 30. Like I just don't want to have this be like my perception. Cause I felt like it was not holding me back necessarily. And it's weird. Cause I feel like people don't get that. All, people always want to look younger, but sometimes you do want to age yourself up a little. So people just don't think you're some asshole who like, doesn't know what he's doing out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's true. I I'm, I'm jealous of the people who can, uh, grow a uh, decent facial hair. I am not one of them. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not either, but I feel like I, it's, it's we're working, we're doing the best we can. That's, that's all you can ever meet you and your grease, me and my hair. We're all doing the best <laughs> we can. Um, apparently the OC Lyles is, is not a total shithead. Now he's concerned about coaching his chemo mentions that he had an uncle that went through chemo and, um, Lyles, I guess gives him a game plan. And this was like a scene that had nothing else to do with the rest of the episode. So I guess it's just like showing that Lyles isn't totally bad, but, I now that I have my notes here, I don't know what the scene had to do with anything at all in the rest of the episode. It, yeah, it, it it had nothing to do. I it felt really weird to me as well, and it completely out of character. Where it's like Lyles had already shown that he's willing to like not really care about coach's health and just wants to use this as a way to ladder up uh, in the front office or whatever. And uh, yeah, and and now they're like actually maybe we have a different plot point we want to do. So we need to sprinkle in Lyle's not being awful. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. They're maybe setting him up for a face turn here down the home stretch. Um, we do have uh, Leon then is somehow the one who congratulates Gerwitz on his engagement first. And he unironically says, welcome to the dark side. And I, I don't <laughs> like Leon is the stupidest human being alive. It's <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. There's no awareness at all of anything, but either way, these guys are at practice. And I, I made a note here that these guys love running one play, then taking their helmets yes. off and doing shenanigans. <laughs> right. Which it's like the only way that that is realistic is if it is at the end of practice or the end of a segment of drills, you know, coach says, all right, one more play before we, we transition to the, you know, the film room or whatever. But yeah, it's just like, what's the one no, no in football too. Like you don't take your helmet off. Uh, but man, I guess it's just not as good to talk trash when your helmet is on. 
Yeah, and I feel like usually too, and you know, granted, I only played high school football. I wasn't playing on the level of these cougars or anything, but like they would make us run plays over and over again in a row. Like they wouldn't just be like, okay, one play and everybody take a breather. Let's all sit around and just hang out. Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's maybe it's different in the pros. I don't know. But I do think the whole point of running plays is to sort of get it to get the right look and to see how it goes and all that. And that's uh, not the approach here for the Cougars. McConnell has his press conference, which I feel like was shockingly classy. He says there's nothing wrong with being gay, but he does want to dispute the rumors. Uh, the media is there and then uh, at the same time the inconvenient timing for Gerwitz Gerwitz's ex shows up very unhappy with the engagement and is yelling about having sex in front of everyone it is a full on outing hence the title and uh, the teammates are stunned they're silenced when Gerwitz enters the locker room but Pete how do you feel about the scene here of the dramatic boyfriend with the Chris Catan haircut coming in um, after I guess uh, having whatever <laughs> I was going to say I was gonna make a coming joke didn't quite come uh, to me right away uh, but awkward situation for this guy to do that of all the times with all the media there is not the moment yeah i mean like i said this guy is just such a nightmare uh i just you can't be dating anyone this volatile and i love that even in just kind of the pure rage and anger he had the kind of uh wherewithal to say the joke if you guys think he has soft hands on the field you should see them in the bedroom (laughs) Where it's like either that or he was like marinating on that line all day. He's like, that'll be the thing I yell in front of all of his teammates that will burn him so, so hard. You definitely work shopping that in the car ride over. It's like, all right, what am I going to do? Is it a balls joke? Is it a hands joke? I'll, I'll go with the hands. The hands is classier. This, this is another good point. How does this guy get into the facility like at all? This, I mean, the, the, the kind of security at this stadium, the practice facility, I mean, we're bringing women, you know, throughout the inner corridors to the the locker room. We got this guy running into practice. It, It does seem like a concern. Yeah, I agree. And I guess it's Phil letting him know. So I don't know. Phil was Phil's always trying to be helpful. So maybe just Phil is incompetent as well. Might be the underlying subtext there. Well, we'll I guess we'll find out in the last few episodes. Uh, but the teammates are stunned. Again, there's silence with Gerwitz enters the locker room. Old shit goes to talk to him. And Gerwitz yells, it's not true to the whole locker room. As Big Sexy says, okay, sugar. Um, and then the uh, PD lineman guard dog and McConnell are piecing together. The guy who showed up to practice is the one who hit on the lineman at the bar that Gerwitz punched out. And then the PED lineman says he doesn't want anyone looking at his ass. DH suddenly, a character who was greatly homophobic to the point where he didn't want a catheter put into his penis by a doctor, suddenly he's not homophobic and remarks, nobody want to do that anyway. And DH is all cool about this now. A lot of character inaccuracies, Pete, but I feel like these guys handling it, I don't know. I feel like the offensive lineman group in particular, like it was the linebackers or I guess the, the linebackers in secondary and the offensive linemen. Everybody else seemed pretty cool, but those guys, very homophobic. Yeah, probably, again, just the writing of just being like, who who are the toughest, most macho guys? It's the big guys on the line. They they can't have this. I I was thinking we were going to literally get some, like, McConnell touching the center's ass type of homophobic joke, like the way this episode was going. I was like, how, how have they not done that? Yeah, I I think that would have been um, too comedic, I guess. But, <laughs> I, but, but I do feel like given the show, they don't do a good job balancing the comedy and the drama. So it might not be the biggest surprise. Uh, Big Sexy thinks that God won't help them now because they quote unquote <laughs> talk to him through a sinner uh, because Gerwitz is, a, I guess, a pastor in his time or whatever, too. Leon points out that maybe it'd be him and DH doing coke that does that leads to that, which DH corrects to him doing coke and being questioned around a murder. He doesn't admit to covering it up. And Leon also beating his wife and coach go getting chemo and they are on a winning streak despite all of that so dh only cares about his two hundred thousand dollar signing bonus if they keep winning and uh i feel like dh the one guy keeping his character sound besides the lack of homophobia i guess it's it's honestly incredible that this team is stringing together wins with this skill position group literally every possible distraction uh in the world and yet they're still just you know ripping off wins like i, I don't know how they're doing it these other te- like imagine how big of a disaster the other teams are in this playmakers universe. If this team is able to win games, what like there must be like actual murders going on in the other <laughs> yeah. locker room. Like, like it's like Friday night lights where they had uh, Landry, the kicker on their spoiler alert, being a part of a murder in the second season. And that's like, that's for the other teams. Like, Oh, we have literal murders. They're doing breaking bad. They're selling meth out of the locker room. Cause that's the only way this team can hang in there. I would think. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's incredible. I can't believe that they're, they're winning games. I don't know how. 
Um, we got the old chick getting the contract here. Um, old chick also, uh, it's worth pointing out as coach tells him about this deal that he got. Old chick is worried about this, putting them over the cap. Uh, doesn't want his contract to be announced because he's learned about the cap through Leon and this might affect him. And then he immediately comes clean to Leon because he's a good friend. Leon shockingly, as we know with Leon, uh, always an even keeled guy. He's mad. He wants to know what old chick got. Old chick won't tell him, even though this will immediately be in the media. Leon is mad that he lied to him. It's hard to tell if Leon's even right in these situations for me because I hate Leon so much, but I do feel like old chick could have told them like, Hey, like I'm getting this deal. Like just FYI, like it's not, it's unconventional. I know like he, he could have done that. I feel like Leon might've been the right here, but classic Leon just does it in a stupid way. This is another thing too, where the, like the Leon like persona in this show, like they wasted it on being in like a camp battle or running back battle with DH because now his like prominence is just way too overblown for like what he actually brings to the team. I mean, we're, we're literally talking about a second string running back that gets five touches a game and is on the last legs of his career, but he's somehow like involved in every major story. Like sh they should have just made Leon the star wide receiver. He could have been yeah. the wide receiver one. Gerwich could have been the wide receiver two. And all of this would have made the divaness would have made a little more sense, I think. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable way to look at it. I think too, like the the character, like the way that he is in this episode where he's like the player rep and he's like the savvy veteran, like it kind of got undercut by the fact that we just saw like he's completely incompetent in handling his own life. So I feel like they could have had him be like the wise veteran there who's doing this stuff. And I don't know, maybe they could have given domestic violence to another guy. There's a lot of ways to handle the approach here that I'm with you that they could have definitely carved this up a little better, but they just love the idea of the running back, young running back, old running back kind of approach there. Uh, the PED lineman guard dog somehow gets Gerwitz's fiance's number and calls to tell her that he wasn't going to see his agent. He was going to quote unquote, do his boyfriend. The fiance thinks it's some sick freak and Gerwitz says it's not true. And just a classic team prank. And I have to say, even if you are uh, homophobic or whatever, calling somebody's fiance is a really aggressive move when you guys are teammates in the same locker room yeah it's it's absolutely wild uh the the overstepping of bounds uh with people here is uh it's truly unbelievable yeah you know they're all they're all family at the end of the day that's what we much like fast and the furious that's what a, a team is Olshik <laughs> tells mcconnell that the offensive line guys called uh gerwitz's fiance cuck phil tells uh gerwitz that the coach wants to see him and the coach tells gerwitz that cleveland secondary is shit he doesn't care about what gerwitz does with his life because he just wants gerwitz to carve up cleveland secondary and gerwitz says i don't do anything else um then coach gives him photos and we find out that i guess there are photos out there of gerwitz with his lover or with the ex-boyfriend uh they're not fully incriminating but um, I, this immediately becomes a thing Pete, where I feel like they, this is what playmakers does. And it's so annoying where they set up a scene. It's like, Oh cool. Coach has his back. It's going to be a great moment. And instead it's just like, Oh yeah, never mind. Like there's nothing he could do. Cause Woolbanks is going to fuck him anyway. And it's just sad because coaches being a good guy. And uh, I don't know. I just like, I want this to work out and immediately they just dampen that fire right away. Yeah. They really did make it seem like, Oh, we, we have another progressive, uh, guy in the building. He's going to be an ally for him. Uh, and then no. It's, uh, you know, we're going to do what Will Banks says. Yeah, so Will Banks wants Gerwitz on the injured list because these guys are not in lockstep. Um, almost always his goal is to make the playoffs, but coach implies that uh, if he's if Gerwitz isn't with the team, it's not a story. And I feel like, Pete, based on what I know of the media, if Gerwitz isn't with the team and then it comes out that he's gay, I feel like that's a much bigger story because then there's clearly some cover-up and whatever, and then, like, I, I don't think I mean, granted, you know, the, the owner might not be a PR expert, but I think they were treating it like that's real. And in fact, this would be the much bigger story is if they somehow forced the guy into the injured list for being gay. Oh yeah. I mean, that is like a blockbuster, uh, story. If that's the case, I mean, this is like expose, you know, ESPN 10 page uh, articles, you know, do it if this happens. Whereas, uh, I guess it, it is obviously a, a different era, uh, mm. but it's not even close to the same story. Yeah, Gerwitz doesn't want to lie about being injured, uh, which is, uh, the I guess, the point of the scene here. Um, so he goes to talk to Leon. Leon's the player union rep, as we learn, and Gerwitz wants to file a grievance. Uh, also, must have been kind of a bad look for one of the union reps to uh, to be involved in a domestic violence situation. That's neither here nor there. Leon apparently is very aware of the rules of player rights, so I guess he has a future there if he wants to do something else. He doesn't care about Gerwitz's personal life, despite his comments earlier in the show. Um, and he also says that Gerwitz would be signed by 10 teams in the offseason, which threw me for a loop, and I guess does make sense when we get to the end and find out that he's a pro bowler or an all-star, whatever they're calling it. But uh, 10 teams, like he must've been quietly having, he might be the best fantasy guy on the team now that we're hearing this information. Yeah. You know, it's like when everyone lines up to get Adam Humphreys in free agency, I mean, <laughs> th there, you got to get this guy. Uh, yeah. Th the kind of myth of like what 
he was to the team, like literally grows like every minute in this episode. Like he goes from like, you know, their wide receiver who gets a couple targets a game, you know, to they're building game plans around him to where now he is their pro bowl representative to where he's so good that he can tell everyone on the, the team that he's better than them and to fuck off. Like it's, the, the, the run for Gerwitz here is incredible. Yeah. I feel like they must've realized when they introduced the character, like, Oh, he's going to be like a middle of the road guy. Who's just, you know, getting, uh, getting drugs for DH. And then they're like, Oh, well, actually we can do this storyline. Yeah, let's make him really good all of a sudden. And that seems to be the case here. Uh, but Gerwitz doesn't lie. want to lie about being injured. So he goes to Leon. Leon then goes to Will Banks and Will Banks was hoping that Leon would have his back, even though Leon is trying to make Will Banks pay for the contract shenanigans that were going on with the old shake deal. Will Banks tells Leon, he doesn't want to get any grief from the union. And uh, yeah, I guess Will Banks is doing his usual manipulation while the PED guy is being a bitch about uh, Gerwitz being on the team. And I feel like everything around this, like all of it from top to bottom, I, I just note here, this did not age well. And I think that's clearly the case of the whole episode. Uh, but up to this point, and this is before the practice scene, I feel like it really just stood out that it's just, it's just like, oh God, it's just uncomfortable at this point. Yeah, it was... Uh... We, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the awards of stuff that wouldn't happen in an episode today. It's like this entire episode. Uh, I mean, this is this is when ESPN or the league is getting on the phone with ESPN and being like, "You have to shut this down right now." Right? <laughs> I would think. So. I mean, again, I'm sure that call happened many times <laughs> throughout the crack escapades and the the murder and domestic violence and all of that. But yeah, this is one uh, not the best. Uh, we are at practice though, and this is where I thought it got better. So I, I made the note here that it didn't age well, and I thought this practice scene, if anything, maybe aged the closest to being where it would be now we're at practice Gerwitz is being lit up on catches by a linebacker named King Ulchik isn't having it but Gerwitz says it's okay man so Ulchik backs down uh, Gerwitz keeps getting hit is literally bleeding and the linebackers tell him to stay down but he won't stay down and so one of the DBs helps him up and says good catch coach calls the practice wants him at the showers but Gerwitz won't leave um, and then coach says he made his point and he made it well and uh so like, we didn't get to the coach speech part yet, people. When you see this guy getting hit over and over again, like I got the story they were telling, they were trying to show, uh, I guess they were actually doing more showing than telling here where it's like, Hey, he's as tough as anybody. He's getting abused. This quarterback is fucking him over McConnell's talking about, Hey, oh, my bad. That pass sailed on me, man. And like, he's getting railroaded fully by his own team, but he keeps getting back up and no spoilers for captain Marvel an unrelated movie entirely. But that was, there's a similar scene in there that I feel like uh, stoked the fire for me. And I feel like I love, I just love people getting back up over and over again. Like that's the old thing for me than in any sport movie will get me or any movie i guess in general will get me yeah uh although just i mean to have your your own teammates targeting mm. you and trying to hurt you uh is just absolutely wild under any conditions uh whatsoever yeah it was actually kind of hard to watch it's like the, these are truly awful human beings yeah i was impressed by his fighting spirit but i would agree like yeah that is i guess if you're looking through that lens it is also <laughs> incredibly downy or much of a downer that these guys are professionals and they're just abusing a man to the point of bleeding and injury uh for the sake of uh, i guess not liking gay people but the coach says in his 23 years of coaching he's never been more embarrassed by a team he fi uh, finds the pd lineman guard dog uh, mcconnell king and the safety who helped Gerwitz up who i feel like wasn't involved in this and was just uh, was being nice at the end but he finds in 25 cage threatens to find him 50k if they go to the union and mcconnell's maybe concerned for him uh wants uh, Gerwitz to go to the doctor to, to get x-rays but Gerwitz refuses and we see him shower alone full butt cheeks and all as he recites the lord's prayer and relives the hits and tough scene but tell you what the Gerwitz, uh he lived up to the scrappy slot white uh, white wide receiver rep that has been out there for decades i feel like the writer like they're like, wait, 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 we're making McConnell to be way too much of a villain. Let's like give him a little heart. Like every time we're just like, no, this is the worst dude. They're like, okay, he, he's not the stone worst. He's just the worst. Yeah, he's he's not a great guy, but I guess, you know, doesn't want to see uh, the the wide receiver, by the way, the only wide receiver we know in the show. So clearly he's the one who's helping McConnell get those 35,000 votes or whatever in the Pro Bowl. Uh, but he doesn't want to see him dying out there. He just wants to see him injured violently, <laughs> I guess, in the course of practice. Um, DH dressed like a literal pimp is there uh, to yes. hear what turns out. Sorry, now, did you like that outfit? He literally looks like um, the Dave Chappelle bit about the player haters ball. Yeah. And like the other thing, too, is it, it like wasn't even matching. Like like it was all just completely clashing. It was like this bright blue hat. It like it, it was so outrageously over the top. I, I was dying. Classic DH. Uh, he's the only one. It turns out DH expects, I guess, to hear himself be announced as a pro bowler slash all-star, but the only one to make the team is Gerwitz. Coach asked if there's anything he'd like to say. And um, Gerwitz, I guess uh, I'll, just, I'll give the parts of the speech that I quoted here. You guys already know it's no secret. Now 
I'm the best player on the team. I feel like they should have gotten a laugh, Pete. <laughs> it like it was so unbelievable. And I I get why he why he's upset. Like these guys were just targeting him in practice, but it also is like it, it, everyone's been through a lot through this situation. This seems like the time to like like send the olive branch. Like I I already got the accolade that proves, and well, that's even a whole other story if he deserves that. But we got the accolade that proves that he can be a good player despite his sexual orientation. And yet he wants to attack all of his teammates, burning every bridge. Not I'm better than you guys. You guys are assholes, and I'm going to the Super Bowl. I just it wasn't the angle I would take if I was Gerwich trying to turn over a new leaf. Well, that's what I thought he was doing initially when he was like, "It's no secret now. I'm the best player on the team." Like I thought he was doing a bit. Like I thought he was like, "Oh, like I'm doing a self-effacing joke. Like we know I'm not the best player on the team, but I'm the one who got in." So I thought that was the way angle he was going to go. Was like, oh, "I'll just soften myself up." And no, instead he's he does admit to being gay. He asked guard dog how it makes him feel. Um, he tells them good luck saying I don't belong now. He also mentions a couple years ago, the league didn't want a black QB and asked the guy who we've never met in the show. Who's apparently the backup QB, a guy named Trent saying, are you too stupid to play the game? So he just threw in some, I mean, he's making a point. I get it, but it did feel odd. Like, Oh, here's the one black QB on the team. Let me just call like, Oh, are you a dumbass? Like, let me just throw the stereotypes another direction. Yeah, it, I mean this this scene was absolutely ridiculous and I just I still can't get over like have we even seen Gerwich score a touchdown in a game? No, I think we've seen him catch one real pass in a game. It like it in this guy's going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, DH literally we hear about his 20 plus carries, two TD games, 100 plus yard games like every week. And Gerwich, I mean, like, how bad are the wide receivers in the league? Like, if Gerwich is going, this must be the worst wide receiver class in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I would think that's probably a good way to look at it. I I would have liked to hear, like, one, like, they could have had, oh, like, Gerwich, man, crazy game out there. You had 10 catches for 150 yes. yards. <laughs> it's something that, like, what were the voters seeing that we weren't? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I want to know. Or like, yeah, like you said, some kind of, you know, they did the ESPN, you know, the radio segment, like let's get a puff piece on Gerwitz leads the Cougars to like streak of wins, or he's unlocked a new version of their offense. Like anything to make this believable. Yeah, I agree that they could have shaded a little bit more, but that is what Playmakers does. Um, Gerwitz closed this speech by saying is that all that matters is that he helps the team win. He's not going anywhere except to L.A., which uh, they don't make clear, but I presume that's where the Pro Bowl slash All-Star game is played. Olshik then, it's a kind of an awkward little five-second, ten-second split, and then Olshik is the one who steps up, shakes his hand, and congratulates him. Then everyone does one by one, but Woolbanks wants to see him. Woolbanks congratulates him, then breaks out the tape of Gerwitz buying drugs for DH a few episodes ago. Uh, where we first met Gerwitz. Wilbanks then threatens to give the tape to the league. There's going to come a time where you could stand up for who you are, and now is not that time, he says to him. All he had, and okay, so here's what bothered me the most. All Gerwitz had to do is be like, I was buying drugs for DH. If he went to the media and or even just threatened to go to the media and say that, and granted, maybe he's, he's being the good teammate. These guys weren't good teammates, whatever. But like, it was a really easy fix for him here. And instead, after all his conviction, he just immediately signed the injured reserve thing and was out. And that, that just bothered me here because if he wanted to fight back, he could have fought back. Yeah, I mean, the get now getting blackmailed on top of this. Uh, part of me just would love to see them both go down, you know, him for aiding and abetting with this drugs, DH for doing drugs at the stadium. And then, uh, and then I don't know, maybe Big Sexy gets to be the representative at the Pro Bowl in that situation. And Tom does point out here, uh, he is the only person that we have seen McConnell throw to. So I guess that's a good point that based on what we know, and we are we are a data you know podcast slash show, first and foremost, Pete, that's a 100% target share. So I think that's, we got to keep that in mind when we are talking about Gerwitz. Yeah, I mean, I, I still like, it's, it's the only person he's throwing to. If we're giving wide receiver MVPs to the Cougars, I mean, it's definitely Gerwitz. No questions asked. I'm just wondering what else is happening across the league. Then uh, amidst all this going on, very dramatic stuff with Gerwitz, we then have Leon and Olshik talking about the contract thing once again. And Leon's deal is not a priority because he's old. Olshik is like, you're not old. They could have done this in another part. They could have done this before the other scene and just gotten this out of the way. I feel like I don't care about Leon's contract. And like, they're not trading first round picks for him. He's a free agent. It's just, it's all stupid. And the team machinations here are completely illogical. It's, um, it's absurd. And uh, to think like you shouldn't be giving, uh, you know, 
I neither of uh, Olshik or uh, Leon should be getting uh, any contract extensions at this point in their career, from what I've seen from them. So this is this is all a mute point. The only one who deserves one is Gerwitz, who uh, hears from coach that any team that he coaches, Gerwitz can play on it. Gerwitz talks to the media. He won't come out publicly and says he's excited to spend some more time with his fiance and. Uh, you know, like I, not, he doesn't have to be a hero publicly. I guess he, he came out to the people that matters. That's sort of, I think the whole point of, you know, we just had pride month. Like I know that's a whole thing for uh, the community out there, but I feel like Gerwitz uh, certainly, I think earned this episode, like earned, you know, like the show did give enough here for his journey, but, um, I just wish they had ended it on a more prideful note instead of, you know, no, no pun intended, but like, you know, a note where like we could feel good about it. Cause I like, you're rooting for the guy throughout. He's probably the only guy I feel like we can actively root for in the show besides maybe old chick. And it just bummed me out. This like, Oh, the end is just him being like, yep, I'm just going to go back to my life. Pretend to be straight. Yeah. Uh, that was not uh, like the whole way that this, not that we need a happy ending uh, with kind of this arc, but just <laughs> the way it's like, what did we learn from this experience? Was there anything heartening from this? Any kind of team bonding, any kind of progress? And it's just like, no, no, we're still in this this absolute shithole. All right, so let's run through some awards real fast. And guys, again, hit that like button if you can, whether you're watching on Peach Channel or on the Splash Play YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all of that. And again, five stars interview on Apple Podcasts has helped us out a bunch. I forgot to plug that earlier. So now's a good time to do that when everybody, I'm sure, is, doesn't give a shit about our awards that we're giving out. But let's talk about them anyway. Who has the most fantasy upside? It has to be Gerwitz, I guess, you know, leading into this game. Now, probably moving forward, not so much, but he was going to have a dominant game against Cleveland, Pete. I think we can all agree there. Yeah, I mean, I still, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being irrational, but I just refuse to think that Gerwitz has enough upside. I, I just absolutely, like if if, the, if we had Pro Bowl DFS for this playmaker's reality, I'm fading him big time in that game. <laughs> I would very much enjoy that. <laughs> a very, very niche tournament. Be a tough one to fill on DraftKings. <laughs> uh, the most unrealistic moment of the episode uh, so like, is it the whole episode? I guess as it, I think it's the coach black. I mean, uh, the owner blackmailing him, I feel like has to be fundamentally the most unrealistic because like owners are scumbags. I feel like that's a level of scumbaggery well beyond, but, um, yeah, I think that to me just has to be it. Yeah. Um, sorry. What, which, which award? Uh, most unrealistic moment of the episode. Most unrealistic. Oh my God. I mean, this whole show is just full of, I will say like, just players blatantly targeting their teammate in practice is just like you i'm sure there's been skirmishes right where like guys you know get into it you know they get heated and stuff but repeatedly just like spearing a dude uh it was just wildly unrealistic yeah moment that made the nfl the most mad i feel like it's probably that 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 scene overall like it's a, a powerful scene of a guy overcoming things but i would agree here the the players going out for business on their own and just uh beating up a guy for being gay i feel like the nfl probably not thrilled with that one yeah, that opening montage where they're just tossing around all the homophobic slurs. Yeah. I think the NFL is like, oh, God, oh, God, turn this off. And the owner stuff, too, I think probably would make the NFL not the most delighted. Uh, the NFL happiest scene, I guess, is Gertwitz, you know, going on injury reserve and talking about going to see his fiance. Uh, yeah, I I thought that was, yeah, that was, that was, I think that's uh, heartwarming. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, that's so nice. Like, good. Uh, he's yeah. going on injury reserve, but life goes on here. That's what the NFL loves to see. Asshole, the episode, I think, has to be guard dog going well above and beyond with his, his PD love that we've seen in the past and uh, calling a fiance not the best move. So I will say uh, he is, in fact, my asshole of the episode. I guess uh, the, his, the real asshole of the episode could be uh, the Gerwitz's ex-boyfriend. As well. <laughs> I, I mean, he's, he's up there. I'm going to go with Will Banks, who just, like you said, he made that shift from, you know, just caring about winning to actually just being a horrible human being. So he gets my asshole. Also, I just want <laughs> he gets your asshole, does he? Please don't clip that one. <laughs> also, to be clear, when I was giving the award out, I was literally referring to the ex-boyfriend's anus. So I just want to. <laughs> no, I did. Like you were doing it purposefully, and then I said it accidentally. <laughs> that's that's how it goes on this show. Cool bro moment of the episode. Uh, Leon, the player rep, I guess would be it. Like he was helping out. Though Olshik just being supportive throughout. You know, Olshik is really the one guy I think is just always there for everybody. So it's probably Olshik. But I did like Leon being like, "Well, listen, I might not support your lifestyle choices, but I'm gonna uh, here's here's the cap rules. Here's what, section one A has this. So I, I don't know. I, I liked it. Yeah, the cool bro. Um, also, let's say the um the the 
employee at the uh, the jewelry store, I think, you know, was doing a really kind of uh, comprehensive job of helping Gerwich pick this stuff out, letting him know about the return policy, breaking down the five C's. Really, uh, the ultimate C right there is the cool bro. Uh, teammate bonding of the episode. I mean, look, I, I don't support it, but I do feel like the guys get bonding over the homophobia. Probably, you know, like you didn't see guard dog and, and uh, big sexy hanging out a lot before. And, and also the defensive players and those guys got together in the name to be completely homophobic and terrible to their teammates. So I think not my preferred method of teammate bonding, but I do think it was technically teammate bonding. Yeah, uh, I would say the teammate bonding. Uh, I mean, they all bonded over being very homophobic toward uh, Gerwitz was unfortunately the most bonding I saw. Best actor award. I'm, I'm thinking is Gerwitz. I think he did. He carried this as best you can. It is a full soap opera plot line, but uh, the man did his work. He I was buying him being abused on that field and just continuing to fight. And uh, I liked it. Yeah, I, I thought Gerwich was was pretty believable as an actor. Uh, of all the things that were wrong uh, with this show, I, it, that was a believable performance. Worst actor award, I will continue to give unto the gay ex-boyfriend guy. I just feel like he's, I mean, and honestly, he's playing the character well enough, I guess, and getting the results that you'd want out of the role. But as a guy, just everything is so hammy with him. So I will continue to give him my worst actor awards as well. Yeah, I, I maybe it's because I just hate the Leon character so much, but I do think some of his stuff is pretty bad. So I'll give him the uh, the worst actor award. Seeing that wouldn't be on TV today, the whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> this whole thing is getting canned. Yeah, this honestly, the more the show goes on, I'm like, wow, I honestly did not know this is going to be so tough to do content around <laughs> and not feel like we're treading some some tough lines. But yeah, the whole episode playmaker of the episode. Um, I mean, I think I will give it to Gerwitz again. I just I love everything I got out of Gerwitz here. True gritty guy living up to the scrappy white wide receiver labels and then adding some new ones with the possibly gay white wide receiver who's also scrappy award. So uh, he's my playmaker here. And I hope. I hope we somehow get a return from him. This isn't just the show like writing him off down the stretch uh, after he's uh, been a pretty big part here for the last few weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm still giving it to DH for, you know, missing the Pro Bowl uh, and still coming in with that pimp suit. Uh, also having the best lines of the episode week after week. He really is the only thing that's keeping me coming back that like that I've we're doing it no matter what. Have you given him the award every week? I think so. <laughs> I think you have. I think DH has been like I didn't know if it was like a deliberate thing you were doing each time, but you, you, I think you definitely have given DH the award every single week. <laughs> and honestly, like if you took DH out of this show, like and he's like such necessary comic relief, I it would be it would be a very miserable watch. If you took Leon out of the show, I think it's at least twenty five percent better. Yes, yes. <laughs> you just remove Leon. You also, if you do that, you free up more touches for DH. You can get him to 45 carries a game if you get rid of him. <laughs> he is a clear 101 here for any <laughs> fantasy traps out there for that DFS tournament that we're doing uh, for the Splash Play Pro Bowl or for the uh, Playmakers Pro Bowl, rather. All right, Pete, what are the plugs here? Obviously, people should be following you at Peter Overzet. They should be following me at Chris Bags. They should be following our at Splash Play pod handle as well. But you're hitting the road. What do you have going on here show-wise? Any plugs? Yeah, no, no shows uh, until Monday. I'll do the uh, the best ball uh, draft on Monday. Um, yeah, the the underdog streets are super fun right now uh, because they just launched that five dollar tournament and they're filling super fast. It's already uh, I think at thirty percent full and it's been open like less than a week. <laughs> so they'll probably end up releasing another one. And then I have my uh, my randomizer boxes. Uh, which it has a lot of goodies. Uh, we got coaster, we got shot glasses, bottle openers, and it includes $25 on underdog. So uh, as I was explaining last night, if you haven't signed up for underdog, you can basically get a randomizer box for $10 because $10 deposit, you get 25 and then you get a $25 card with the box. So that's $50 in entries for just $60 total. So, um, and it includes the box and you support me as a unemployed content creator. So yeah, get, get your randomizer boxes. Yeah. All that math checks out. I will be doing absolutely nothing besides coming back next week and doing the show and, and hanging out and dealing with, uh, this miserable 72 degree weather inside this apartment, but we appreciate all you guys for being here. Make sure to subscribe to peach channel and a splash play channel. Of course, like our videos and any other videos you find out there. Cause that's what helps out YouTube content creators. We appreciate you guys for being here. Enjoy your weekends and see you soon. Thank you.